You know, I started, I'm, I'm talking about peace today, and um, I started to get some of those brainy quotes. You know, you can go to brainy quotes on on, uh, on the youth, on, uh, internet and find out all the quotes about a certain subject. And so I went to those and started reading all the different quotes about peace, and then I thought, why would I present you with the world's view of peace? Because you just got presented with it, right? And some of you, that was your version, and that was your idea of peace at one time or another and yet we know that God's given us a different kind of peace and so that's I think that's what I want to impart to you today that we cannot live on the world's peace and get by and and actually be satisfied at all because the world's peace will end And, and it's a superficial peace at best now many of you know this scripture from Jeremiah 29 11 Go ahead and put it up there. You, and many of you probably have, how many of you have this in your home somewhere framed on the wall? Okay, maybe on your computer screen. So read this with me. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now that's nice. I like that version. It's kind of nice. It, it frames up well. But I've discovered this amplified classic version. And I want you to see a difference when you look at the amplified version. Go ahead and put that up there. And read this with me. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and what? Peace. And not for evil to give you hope in your final outcome. I like that better. Because welfare and peace are this, they're basically the same word there. And in the Hebrew, they're this word. What, what word would you think is the Hebrew word for peace? Shalom. Say shalom. Okay, shalom is the word that is generally used in where we have the word peace in our Old Testament when we read through that. Now, I want to give you the de- I want to give you the depth of shalom. Listen, if you don't do word st- studies, you're missing a whole bunch, and you have the opportunity to do word studies now. Did you know that you don't have to have this shelf full of books? You don't. Have- you can go to the internet. You can go to Bible uh, BlueLetterBible.com. How many of you have ever been to Blue Letter Bible? You can look at all the Greek, you can look at the Hebrew, and all the definitions. So I just want to throw that out there for you. And it's a free app. It's free, okay? You can check it out. So it says this about shalom. Completeness, soundness, welfare, peace, safety, soundness in body, health, prosperity, quiet, tranquility, contentment, friendship with God, especially in covenant relationship. And that's the peace we're speaking about this morning. It's so much more than the absence of conflict. Because that's what that's a usual definition for peace. Well, if there's no conflict in my life, I'm at peace. My kids are at school. I'm at peace. My bills are all paid. I'm at peace. And we usually peace is directly in response to our circumstances. If everything is cool, Teresa, we're at peace. But if everything is not cool, if there are some things out of order, we don't have peace. But I'm telling you, in the, as, a, as a Christian, and no matter what your circumstances, no matter what your trial is, you will have peace if you allow the peace of God to rule your heart. It's a different kind of peace. He wants us to be... He, he, God gives us the total package. He doesn't just give us a little of this and a little of that. I serve the God of abundance. Okay, well, you're going to see that in Scripture this morning, that we serve the God of abundance. How many of you have seen the T-shirt or the bumper, bumper sticker? Go ahead, next, next slide. No God, no peace. Have you heard that? Okay, but what's the other, the rest of it? No God and no peace. K-N-O-W, gnosko, God. To know God is really to know peace. So through this series, if you've not... If you're not living a life of peace, this is for you today because so many Christians live their life in turmoil. How many of you know Christians that their life is like this? It's like a roller coaster. It's like the Rattler at Six Flags in in, uh, San Antonio. It's like that. I mean, there's the highs and there's the lows and there's the turns. And when you get through the the day, you're like, when you come to the end of the roller coaster, you go, wow, I can't believe we made it today. Right? But that is not the life that God has called you to live. He's not called me to live that kind of life. We should be, as believers, we should be the most joyful people of, of all peoples. We should be the most peaceful people of all, peace, uh, of all peoples. Because God says, I blessed are those, the peacemakers. He called us to live in peace. He said, be at peace as best you can be at peace with everybody. How do you do that in this world of chaos? 
is to have the true peace that only God can give. The true peace. John 14, 27, right before Jesus was going to be crucified. This again, this is in the Amplified Version. He says, peace I'll leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. This is important that you understand this. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. Anybody agitated and disturbed this week? A few of you. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. It kind of goes a little bit further than the New King James or the NIV, doesn't it? How many have been agitated this week? How many of you are lying? Because you all probably, at one point this week, how many of you are, are walking through some turmoil right now? How, how many of you are, there's some things in your life that are unsettled right now? Okay, man, I'm, this is going to be good because y'all need this. That's like 90% of y'all have raised your hands for all of those. Rut row. What? On the front row. Okay, I thought you said rut row. Scooby, Scooby Doo. Did you know that when we, actually, when we give our lives to Jesus, that he actually gives us peace? And it says he doesn't just give us his peace. It's his peace, not the world's peace. It says he bequeaths it to us. Now, that means that he commits it to us and he entrusts it to us. That peace that he's talking about is very similar to the word in shalom in the Hebrew. It's in the Greek. It's Irene. Say Irene. Irene. Where's Irene? Did you know your name meant peace? I'm sure you did. Yes. Anybody else have a name of Irene? Any more Irene's in here? Irene, and, the, and the, there's a different pronunciation for it. If you want to get real technical, and you're going to check me out on Blue Letter Bible. Because Blue Letter Bible, you know what it does? It actually tells you how to pronounce words. It, it says there's a voice that you can click on this little, this little speaker, and it tells you, and it's uh, Irena. <laughs> Irena, that's the Greek. Okay, so you learned a Greek word this morning. You learned a Hebrew word this morning. So you are so much more intelligent now than you were before you came in. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm smarter now. Husbands and wives, they didn't even look at each other. Uh, she's not smarter. <laughs> He's sure not smarter. <laughs> so you've got to make these declarations now. Look at your, look at your, you know, your significant other and say, you're smarter now. Oh. Ooh, there's some sparks flying over there between Judy and Rick. Wow. I saw the eye contact. Yeah, it was good. If we're going to live fully in God's peace, listen, we need to gnosko God. That's the Greek word for to know. Gnosko. Say gnosko. So you learn all sorts of Greek today. Gnosko is to know God, and it's not just to know Him superficially. It's to have a deep, personal, intimate fellowship, relationship with the God of creation. Mm, that's pretty, pretty awesome, isn't it? He wants us to have that and develop that kind of relationship. And it is a developing of the relationship. It just doesn't happen, guys. You've got to work at it. We're going to see that in Second Peter. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Second Peter chapter 1. I love that. I love the song that it is well because it says, Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. And then you can say, it is well. It is well with me. So we're going to see how about we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus this morning through Scripture and look at this thing about called peace. I love this. This is, again, this is in the Amplified Bible. Mary Lou said, you're probably going to start using that from now on. I said, I don't know, but it works because it goes in and gives you the definitions of things that you have to look up. Okay, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle or a special messenger of Jesus Christ to those who have received, obtained an equal privilege of like precious faith with ourselves in and through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who is Peter, Simon Peter, writing this letter to? The church. Say the church. He's writing this letter to believers. He just said, you have, you have the same thing I have. Your faith gives you the same thing that I have. See, if you have faith this morning, you have the same faith that Peter had, the same faith that the Apostle Paul had. You, you listen, you're not, God didn't just distribute some faith to some people and other people. He said, no, I don't want to give them faith. He's already given us faith. Amen? Say, I have faith. Then he says in verse 2, May grace, God's favor, and peace. Say, peace. Now, here's the definition, a great definition of peace, which is perfect well-being, well, this is going to get better. All necessary good, 
all spiritual prosperity and freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts. Do you want that kind of peace? Because I do. And listen, he doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just say, I want you to have this kind of peace. He says this, be multiplied to you in the full, personal, precise, and correct what? Oh, so we get it as we get him more. The personal, the precise, the correct, the full. I love the fullness of God. Knowledge, the gnosko, the root word for that word, knowledge, is the gnosko of God and of Jesus, our Lord. He wants you to have peace, and he wants you to have more peace. What does it say? I started to preach, I started to preach this message from Philippians 4. I love, you know I love Philippians. That's one of my favorite books of all. Because it's so positive. But one of my favorite verses in Philippians is about the asking and, and, and asking God without worry, without fear. You know the verse in 6 and then in 7 it says, So that you will have the peace that what? Surpasses, goes beyond all what? Understanding. So he's saying, I want you to have peace, but I want you to have more peace than you can imagine. So listen, if you're, if you're not walking in this peace, guys, if you're not living in this peace, God says you need to get to know me a little bit better. You need to get to know my character a little bit better. You need to walk with me a little bit longer. You need to stay in, in my presence longer. That's how we get more peace. You know what I was thinking about? And I know I'm going to embarrass, embarrass this guy, but I was thinking, who's the most peaceful person, one of the most peaceful persons that I know? No matter what happens, that they always just seem to be the same. They just seem to be calm. And it was Mark Oliver. Would you agree? Blaine, would you agree? Chris, I don't know if you know that. He know, you know. He's the same guy. If you go to him and see him about pecans, if you go talk to him about football, if you want to go to the wall game, wherever you go, here's Mark. He's at peace. But I will promise you that he didn't manufacture that peace. That didn't come by himself. He didn't just inherit that because he was born into a family of peace, were you? No, his wife's going, no. It's the peace that passes and surpasses understanding. Man, I want to attain that peace. I think and I hope that you want to attain that same kind of peace. So when things happen in your family and things are going awry, that everybody goes, there's the rock, let's go talk, we can trust him. We know that he's going to be solid in this. She's going to be solid through this because they have the peace that passes understanding. Then you go, well, pastor, that sounds good, but how do we attain that? How do we get there? I'm so glad you asked. Look at verse 3 of Second Peter 1. God just doesn't say, I'm going to give you peace and then walk off, does he? That's like giving a child the keys to the car and just walking off. Dad, I don't know how to drive. Figure it out. (laughs) Listen to what he says here. For his divine power, say divine power, has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite. That word requisite, we don't use it much anymore. It means necessary. And suited to life and godliness. Listen to me. Through the full personal what? Knowledge of him who called us by and to his own glory and excellence or virtue. God not only calls us to peace, He empowers us to peace. Did you hear me? He didn't just say, I'm going to give you peace. He gives you the power to live peacefully. He, he, he gives us His divine... I don't, I don't think you all understand that. He gives us His divine power. His divine... Say that, divine power. Godly power. You cannot... You can't manufacture that on your own. You might say, well, I'm calm and I'm cool. But if you're calm and cool without Jesus Christ, it's a manufactured calm and cool. Sometimes it's because you just don't care. You're apathetic. You know, have you, how many of you know people like that? Well, they seem to be really calm through all situations. Sometimes it's because they don't really care about you or anything else. As long as they got their clicker and HPN's on, just like that guy on the screen. Where do you find your peace? Well, I find it on the couch. How spiritually deep is that guy? Well, about as deep as the cushions on the couch. I love this. That God says in John 14, or Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, 
But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance, all the things that I've said to you. Okay, so Jesus said, I'm not going to leave his orphans, right? He said, I'm going to be with you. Now, he meant, I'm leaving. <laughs> you're going to be with us, but you're leaving? Don't understand. He said, but I'm going to send you a Helper, Holy Spirit, divine power. Now, look at the verse that we read earlier that is associated the very next verse. Peace, I'll leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You cannot have... Listen, Jesus knew that there was going to be turmoil in their lives. And he was, he was warning them right then, you're not going to go through this by yourself. You're going to have Holy Spirit. And in, in John 22, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then later on he said, go wait for the power of the Holy Spirit, which happened on the day of Pentecost. He's already poured out his Spirit upon all flesh. All flesh has not received his Spirit. But he's already poured it out, church. So God gives us the faith to believe, and he gives us the power to know him and to live for him. And he's given us his DNA, which is the God of peace. Say, I have the DNA of God. How do you know that? How do I know that? Because the Bible says that he's created us in what? His image. He's put himself within us. I, I don't want to understand that. I don't want to see how he's done that, but he's done that. And it's about us yielding to his DNA. It's about us yielding to his will. It's about us yielding to the power of his spirit. If we're going to walk in this thing called peace, this Irene of God. Verse 4 says, By means of these he has bestowed upon us precious and exceedingly great promises, so that through them you may escape by flight from the moral decay, rottenness and corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust and greed, and become sharers or partakers of the divine nature. I want you to understand this. His promises bring peace. He says it right there. His promises bring peace. But if you don't know his promises, you're not going to know his peace. You cannot walk through this world blindly and give your life to Christ and just begin to walk your life and not look into His Word and not understand and start grabbing hold of His promises. There are hundreds, literally hundreds of promises in the Word of God. And they're all for you and they're all for me. And once you understand those promises and you start grabbing hold of those promises and speaking those promises and living those promises, you will find all of a sudden I'm a peaceful person. It happens. It happens. It doesn't happen all at once. It happens as you know, continue to know God and to press into Him. Man, if we are not... Listen, if this doesn't describe our world today, what does? He says that we may escape by flight from the moral decay. Do you think there's moral decay in America today? Or decay, not decay. Listen, rottenness and corruption. Is that in our country today? Is that in our world today? Is there covetousness? Is there lust and greed in our world today? So he says you can either partner with that or you can partner and be a partaker of the God that loves you. But so many, listen, I'm talking to, he's talking to Christians here. He says don't partner with the world. Partner with the promises of God. Share in them. Listen, we are partakers. We walk, he walks with us. Remember the Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego? They were in the fire. Somebody else showed up in the fire with them. And they said, it looks like a son of God. Well, it was the son of God in the fire. He walks with us through the torment. And that's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, well, if we get burned up, that's okay because we're going to be with God. If we don't, that's okay because God's with us. We're good. I can't imagine having peace going into a burning furnace. I don't think I would be so peaceful. I mean, I don't, even like to, I don't even like to put candles out with my fingers. I see people all the time. I, no, I'll, I blow it out. Might catch on fire. Maybe that's why I never liked smoking. <laughs> I never liked to put fire in my mouth. Uh-uh. Put the wrong end, you're young. It's difficult to stand on His promises, church, if you don't know His promises. Here's the thing. There's some things that God calls us to do, call, calls us to do for our relationship to grow with Him. We, we just can't be sedentary. You know what sedentary is? It just, you just sit. We can't, because you know what a sedentary stream does? It never flows again. It becomes what? Stagnant. And nothing good happens in stagnant water. I promise you that. 
He's called us to do some things, and this is how this progression happens. I love this in Second Peter 1. Look at verse 5. It's called, I call this the progression of exercise. How many of you go to, I don't want to say that. How many of you have been to the gym before? I've had about three gym memberships. I don't like the progression of exercise. All right, one machine, I'm done, right? No, 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 no. you got to go to this machine, then you go to this machine, then you go to lift these weights, and you do this little exercise. It's a progression of exercise, right? Why? Who made up that stupid rule? Well, if you want to get in shape, you got there's a progression of exercises. You can't just lift a five-pounder for the rest of your life. Or you can. But after you lift that, it becomes nothing to you. The five, then the ten, then the fifteen. You know, then pretty soon you're you're pressing like four hundred pounds. Whatever. There's a progression of exercise if you want to go stronger, right? That's what I'm trying to get at. For this very reason, adding your diligence to the divine promises. Okay, the promises that He's promised us, that He's given us. Employ every effort in exercising your what? Faith. Bill's talking about faith this morning to develop virtue. That is excellence, resolution, Christian energy, and in exercising virtue, develop knowledge or intelligence. These are all building blocks. If you want to live a life of the character of God, you've got to start, first start developing your faith. You know how you develop your faith? You test it. You step out in it. You walk in it. You get out of the boat. Just like Peter said, well, Jesus, you're walking on the water. Can I walk? He said, come on. He didn't say, he didn't pray some fantastic prayer. He said, just get out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat. He just stepped out of the boat. And I, I think tippy-toed maybe. I don't know how he got out of the boat. I mean, stepping over the edge of the boat like, whoa. You know, I don't know how he did it. But he got out of the boat. Some of you are still in the boat. Some of you are in the back of the boat sleeping. And he got out of the boat. Jesus said, well, okay, come over here. And he starts walking. He starts walking. I mean, he got pretty confident. Man, he might have gotten a little bit of cocky. Like, And then he sees the waves over here kind of start rising up. And he's not as peaceful as he was. He's not as bold as he was. He hears the wind a little bit. Maybe some lightning in the distance. And he, he took his eyes off of Jesus. And what he did, what did he do? He said, oh, like that. He just sunk. I think Peter did this. He gets out and he's all wet like a little wet dog. And gets back out and Jesus... Grabs him by the collar and lifts him up out of the water. And okay, back in the boat. Because Jesus is strong. He just picked him up, put him back in the boat. Here's all the disciples. <laughs> He's the only one that got out of the boat. And I think Peter, because he kind of boastful sometimes. Later on, if they made fun of him, he said, well, What were you guys doing when I was out in the water? Because I did actually walk on the water for a moment. See, some of you are afraid to get out of the boat because you think you're going to sink. It's okay if you step out and you start sinking because Jesus is right there to lift you up. He's just asking you to exercise your faith. Exercise. Listen, he exercised his faith that day when he got out of the boat. He made a lot of mistakes after that. But who preached the first sermon at Pentecost? Peter did. Who wrote this book? Peter did. Peter knows about exercising our faith. We just can't sit like a bump on the log and expect to know God better. You can't put your head, sleep on the Bible, and get it by osmosis. It doesn't work. I know guys that have done that. Oh, Lord, I just got some importation. Oh, you didn't? You got a headache. A pillow is much better. And in exercising knowledge, develop self-control. And in exercising self-control, develop steadfastness, patience, endurance. And in exercising steadfastness, develop godliness or piety. Listen, we, we kind of in the church today, we're a, we're a church of grace. We don't want to talk about godliness much. But I'm telling you, with the grace comes godliness. Don't use grace as a liberty not to be godly because God has called us to be godly. He's called us to be holy. He's talking about it right here. Virtue, your character matters. It matters. In exercising godliness, develop brotherly affection. And in exercising brotherly affection, develop Christian love. You see how all that works together? The more virtue you have, the more you're walking with the Lord, the more you're giving to Him, the more you're receiving from Him, the more you can walk in brotherly love. And when you're walking in brotherly love, you see people the way Jesus sees them, you will exercise Christian love. 
And listen, if we're, not, if we're known for anything but that, I, I want to be known for Christian love. I want Freedom Fellowship to be known for Christian love. I want us to be known for brotherly affection. Verse 8, for as these qualities are yours. Listen to what Peter says here. For these qualities are yours and increasingly abounding. He's always about the multiplication, didn't he? He wants these to abound in you, just like he wants peace to abound in you. They will keep you from being idle or unfruitful unto the full personal knowledge. There's that word knowledge again of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. I want you to know this morning, I don't know who you are, where you are. I know some of you, but I don't know everybody here. But I want you to know that God has already provided everything you need for this walk as a Christian. He's already given you every spiritual blessing. He's already given it to you. It's up to you if you're going to open the package. I've yet to, I've yet to see a child at Christmas not open a package. Never. Matter of fact, they'll open yours and yours. and. Your. I remember Tracy when she was little. We'd say, here, open Wesley's present. Here, open your mom. Oh, she loved to open everybody's gifts. And we have Christians today that the gifts have been piled up and just kind of look at them. I'm not so sure about that. I don't think Jesus would give me something like that. I don't know. Like God would give you a bad gift. He's the giver of perfect gifts. He's already given everything that we need, guys. We just have to grab hold of it. In verse 9, Peter says this, For whoever lacks these qualities is blind, spiritually short-sighted, seeing only what is near to him, and has become oblivious to the fact that he was cleansed from his old sins. Oh, wow. That's where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? He kind of sums all this up. He speaks all this. He says, this is why you're not operating. This is not why you're not living in the favor of God or the grace of God. That's why it's kind of been removed from you. Not because God's removed, because you pushed it away. And you're not living in the peace because you pushed it away. Because you started, you forgot where you came from. You forgot what God did for you. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit here. Because this is where I really want to get with this thing called peace. Because when you forget God's grace, you're going to lose your peace. When you forget God's grace, you will lose your peace. You know why I say that? Because you'll start working to earn your salvation again. You'll start working to try to please God. Because you forgot what God did for you when he forgave you of all your sins. You'll start thinking, I've got to do this, 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 and this. Now I want you to turn to Revelation 2. I want to read this from the New King James. Because the people that Peter's talking to, he said, don't become short-sighted. You know what become short-sighted means? You start looking at things in a different perspective. You start looking at things right in front of you. You start looking at you instead of at God. You, you get your eyes off Jesus, and you start looking at everything else. Short-sighted. It's, it's like a, a person that would start a business. And man, they, they start out and they got mom, it's a mom and pop thing and, and it starts growing and their family's involved and, but it starts exploding, gets big and all of a sudden it's a corporation and this guy's the CEO and everybody said, man, that's awesome. You're an awesome guy. And he said, yeah, I am, aren't I? I've done all this by myself and they forget what everybody else has poured into them. I love it when I watch these athletes on television. I like, I like sports, man. I'm, I'm, I'm all gung-ho for the Astros. I love this Jose Altuve. He's five foot six. And he, man, he's just always, my dad was there for me. And I, I've, I've, Adrian Beltre, man, my parents were there for me. They've always been my, they were my mentors. They were the ones that never gave up on me. But there's some of them, guys, that they, they got the bling bling on and it's all about them. They forgot where they came from. They don't go back and help anybody because they've been elevated to this status. Listen to what happens to a church that loses love. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand. We're talking about Jesus. Who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you have persevered and have patience, have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Well, that sounds like the ideal church, doesn't it? Woo! Wouldn't you want to be a part of that church? I bet the worship is awesome at that church. Don't you? Man, these people, they had it. They had it going with Jesus. <sighs> but Jesus says, nevertheless, uh-oh. When he says, nevertheless, you want to, uh-oh. <laughs> nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. 
Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you do what, church? Repent. See, we can have the appearance of being a great church. We can do and do and do. And we can be impressive in our doing. But if we have forgot who God is, if we forgot where we've come from, if we forgot the salvation experience that we had, if we've forgotten how much He drug us out of the depths of our sin and saved us, we forget about His love, then we, we forget and we do not become the church of love anymore. And once we, be, we quit being the church of love that loves God and loves people, listen, all we are is another organization, another corporation. They're all over America. They're all over the world. Churches that have a label on their door, but men, they're corporate. They have programs. They have all these things. And guys are moving up the corporate ladder. Let me start you out in a little church. Then we're going to graduate you to another church. You do good there. We're going to get you to a bigger church. Listen, they have a corporate mentality. That's not God's mentality. He calls. He equips those that he calls. He said, you've left your first love. He didn't say you lost your first love. Did he? So you left your first love. When you, when you leave something, you know what you're leaving. When you lost something, you don't know how to find it necessarily. Anybody ever lost their keys? You still, they're still lost. But when you leave something, you know where to go back and find it, don't you? I left my kid at the mall. I gotta go back and get him. <laughs> you know, but if you lose your kid, you don't know where your kid is, you get a little panicky, right? Well, you should get panicky if you left your kid at the mall. Sometimes we can lose things just by accident. But when you leave something, it's a deliberate act. So what did they leave? What did these Christians at this church in Ephesus lose? What did they leave? They left their love of God and their love of one another because you can't have one without the other. It's the classic commandments that God gave us were to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't say love one and forget the other, did he? He said to love him first, and then when you love him first, and you get to know, you're going to love everybody else. You're going to love those. You're going to love your neighbor. You're going to shout at your neighbor. You're going to put your neighbor down. You're going to love them. And they left their first love. The Ephesian, the Ephesian church became a working church. We cannot put what we do for Jesus before who we are in Jesus. You know, our works don't really impress him. Like, God, I'm going to really impress you. I'm going to work at the food pantry. Go, oh, wow, that's all. No, that should be who you are. I love, the, I love to minister to people that are hurting because that's the heart of Jesus. Amen? Well, God, I know Brother Cam has been asking for volunteers in the children's ministry. I'm going I'm to go serve, and I just, I'm just going to do this for you, Lord. So everybody else can see that I'm serving in the children's ministry. And God said, if that's your reason to go, don't do it. I want you to go because I've called you. Because that's who you are. That's who I've called you to be. See, we put works ahead of who we are in Christ sometimes. A church that's really going to function the way that God's designed the church to function is all these body parts are going to work together like a well-oiled machine. Some of you have been called to be hands. Some of you have been called to be feet. Some of you have been called to be eyes. Some of you have been called to be ears. Some of you have been called to be the brains. Don't be elbowing your husband, wise. The brains. He's called us all to make up this thing he calls the body of Christ. You understand that? Now, back earlier, Peter says he talks about Jesus as Lord. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, right? Y'all remember? Uh, two weeks ago, oh, it's a stretch, Pastor. About the anointed one, that we are the royalty of Christ, right? We are kings and priests because he said we are, right? Well, here Peter refers to him as Jesus as Lord. You know, here's the difference between somebody that's made Jesus as Lord and Jesus as Savior. This is a real problem in the church today. So many people say, I give my life to Christ. I just don't want to follow him. I don't want to give. I don't want to serve him. I, I want him to save me. I don't want to die. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to burn. Save me. But they don't want to submit to him and surrender to him as the Lord of their life. You think you're going to get by and walk in peace if all you've got is your ticket to heaven? 
No. You're going to walk in peace when you surrender to Him as Lord of your life, as Master of your life. You know why? Because your decisions will be be bathed in prayer. There will be the peace of God's going to come and tell you. A lot of people say, well, Pastor, how do you know if I'm, I've prayed about this and I've prayed about that? How do I know if God's telling me yes or no? I say, well, He'll give you peace. He will give you peace that the world can't give you. It won't be the best pay. Maybe it'll be the right pay. It won't be the right position. It'll be the, great, it'll be the best position because God knows where you need to be. Is He Lord of your life this morning? In my heart, and this is probably because I'm pastor here, <laughs> I believe we fit the description of the Philadelphia church better than any other church he mentions in Revelation. I believe that. I believe that we're a church of brotherly love. I believe that we're doing the, the, the right things. I think that we're a church of love. I believe that we're the people, when they come to the church here, they'll say, Man, I, this people just loved on me. I wasn't judged. You know, people, I came here and I was all this and that. And, and it didn't matter to them if I was really dressed well or I wasn't dressed well at all. It wasn't, didn't matter if I smelled good or I didn't smell good. It didn't matter if I was uh, smelled like alcohol or I smelled like a, the best cologne. It didn't matter because people just loved me here. I believe that's, that's who we are. But I believe that it takes all of us as individuals to get into that place so we can continue to be that who God's called us to be, a loving church. Doesn't mean we don't speak, speak the truth in love because you know you get that here every Sunday. So I'm going to give you three things to do quickly, okay? You might want to write these down. If we're going to live in His peace and be the church that God's called us to be, number one is remember. First step in restoration for you to walk in peace and for the church to be a church of the, an authentic church is to remember where we've come from. I will tell you this, and I'm try, I'm being honest. It's not some. Oh, I'm going to brag on me. I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on God. There's not a day that I come into this building that I don't thank God for it. And thank God that you did this. When I, we met, when we ordained C.J. Lucky the other day, I mean, we merely and I was just well, pinching ourselves. God, you, you could do all these things. You would use us. You would, you would, we get to partner with you in this. You've done all this. If I ever start to try to take credit for what God has done, listen, Mary, if you don't shoot me, Mary Lou will. I never take you guys for granted. I hope you understand. I may not tell you all the time. I'm not, you know, I'm, but I'm telling you now. It is a blessing to pastor this body of believers. It's a blessing to have the leadership we have. It's a blessing to have the volunteers that we have. It's a blessing to have the building that we have. It's a blessing to know that many, many people get, have gotten saved here and baptized here and healed here. It is a blessing and it's an honor that God would use us to do such a thing. But if we ever forget where we have come from, uh, listen, God reminds us a lot. Remember where you started, Harold, in the Christians in Action building with about 10 people in a stinky place and birds chirping and Billy Big Mouth on the wall, all that stuff. Some kid would go back and hit the button while I'm preaching, you know, and start that, mad, that bass and start singing. Okay, wait, we have to pause for Billy Big Mouth bass to sing his song, then we'll continue with the sermon. Ah, listen, the Bible says do not despise small beginnings. But I'm telling you, we should, not, we should not forget small beginnings either. Because as quickly as God gives it to you, He can take it away if you become prideful and arrogant. He can do that in an individual's life or in the body of a church. And He was about to take the lampstand. And you know what? We can go into a lot of theological discussions, but He's about to take the light out of that church. Because a lampstand represents light. And if we ever become arrogant and say we don't want this person to come in this building or that person, and you become arrogant and you, you don't welcome somebody and you don't put your arms around somebody because they don't look like you, they don't smell like you, they're not the right color. Listen, the light can be taken away from you. Don't go there. Remember what God has done. Remember the prodigal son and his journey? What was the first thing he, that he did when he was in the pig pen? What does the Bible say? He remembered how good he had it with his daddy. He remembered. We got to remember, church. Because without Him, we are nothing. The second thing is to repent. This means to change the way your you're, you're direction you're going. It means to change the way you're thinking about something. 
And the church at Ephesus have begun thinking, we got to do this, this, and this, and this. We got to get this going. Got to get this going. And God said, wait, 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 wait. Don't forget love. I had to repent. He said, repent. Repent. Man, if you're going the wrong direction, guys, today, God says, repent. If you're not walking in the peace that passes understanding, just repent. Change the way you think about God's peace. And the third thing he says as we close is, I'm going to use another R word, but it's a repeat. Do the first works. And a lot of people go, what are the first works? You're talking about works again. I want to tell you what I believe that the first works are he's talking about here to the church at Ephesus, and we're going to close. It means to go back to the basics. Go back to the basics. What are the first things you did when you came to know Jesus Christ, when he rescued you from the muck and the mire of this world? When he rescued you out of your deadness, out of your sins, what did you do? He says, remember how you used to spend your time in the Word? Remember how you used to pray? Remember the joy you had to getting together with other Christians? Remember how excited you were to tell others about Jesus? Remember how, when you found out about tithing, how excited you were to give your first tithe check? He wants us to remember that joy that he first captured us with. He wants us to have revival, as Ron was speaking. Remember when that time you, you couldn't wait to get a place to serve in the church? Y'all remember that? Uh, Pastor, it's, it's like that song, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play today. You know, it's like, put me in, preacher. Put me in, Pastor. Joe, find a place for me. Jeff, find a place for me. We're looking for a place to serve. We have people here that do that all the time. It's a blessing to hear you say that. But we have others of you that say, I've already done my time. I'm already through. I'm going to retire. Listen, there is no retirement in the Bible for Christians. Now, I hope you said that. I hope you're one of those that's already retired and you just said amen because that means you've got to come out of retirement. Man, if Abraham and Sarah could get it on at 100 years of age, we can too in the name of Jesus. And what I mean by getting it on is they got out and went. <laughs> oh, boy. I know. At least you're listening. Close your eyes this morning. Stand up. Stand up. Can you do that at the same time? Close your eyes and stand up. Ministry team, get in your places. I believe there's going to be some people that are going to get radically saved today. Some of you are going to get radically, you're going to repent today. It's going to be a radical repentance. Some of you are going to come out of retirement today. Amen? I know some people that left our church. You know why they left? Because I would challenge people to serve. I would challenge people to serve. And they thought, oh, that means he wants us to do this, this, and that. No, I'm talking about serve. Outside the walls. Outside the walls. Can you wonder? Did, did I make myself clear? God wants you to serve outside the walls. Wow. God wants you to serve outside the walls. That's better. I'm not talking about taking up a position in the church. I'm talking about helping a little old lady across the street and just speaking Jesus over her. I'm talking about helping that person at Walmart or at Target or wherever you might go to shop when you see somebody and you just speak some life into them. It's when, you're, it's when one of your best friends says, my son's in trouble. He's about to go to jail. And you don't, oh, I'm so sorry about that. I'll pray for you. And then you don't pray for them. No, it's you come alongside them. And you bless them, you pray for them. How can I help you? That's the kind of service God wants to see in this body. And I know he's already seeing it. He's seeing it through hundreds of you. And that's a blessing. But I'm telling you, the more you serve him and you follow in him and you trust in him, the more peace you'll be, you'll be at as you walk this journey of life with Jesus Christ. So I want you to raise your hands just like, a, like you're going to receive something. Like a big screen TV, right? Now, if you, if you hold them up high, you kids hard. I want you to hold them where you like you're going to catch it. Basket catch. I want to bless you this morning. I want to bless you with the Word of God that I've already read to you this morning. But I want you to close your eyes and let it sink in. I want you to close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Just pretend I'm Simon Peter, okay? As he's writing this letter. He's speaking this. He's writing it. By, by writing, he's speaking it over the church. And he starts out saying, May grace 
God's favor and peace, which is perfect well-being, all necessary good, all spiritual prosperity, and freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts be multiplied to you in the full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. Jesus, our Lord. And I speak that over you this morning, that before you leave here today, if Jesus is just your Savior and He's not Lord of your life, that today you will make that decision. You'll repent of thinking, I'm good with my salvation. You'll repent of having that mindset that that's all you need. And you'll repent and say, Lord, I want to I make you Lord of my life. Because without you being Lord, I will never be at peace. I might have a little peace thinking that when I die someday I'll go to heaven. But He wants you to have the peace that gives you the, the joy of living day to day in His presence. That's what He wants for you this morning. So, Father, I pray as I bless the people that those that have never said, I want you to be Lord of my life, they would step out and come right now. Go ahead, step out and come. Step out and come. If you, if you desire to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, I want you to step out and come. Don't wait. Don't wait till we start singing a, a nice song or anything. Just step out and come. Amen. Come on. Come on. If, you've never made, if you haven't made Him Lord of your life, He wants you to step across that line today. That He's your everything. You're going to trust Him from now on. You're going to walk with Him. He wants to be Lord of your life this morning. He wants to be Lord of your life. Maybe some of you are here this morning. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. And you want to you 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 get out of that boat of complacency. You want to step in to what Christ has for you and come to know Him as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you to step out and come. We have people at the back. We have people at the front that can pray for you. They've got a ministry tag on. That's you this morning. That's you. Step out and come. Father, I just bind up the resistance right now in the name of Jesus. I bind up uh, religious spirit right now in Jesus' name. And I lose faith to fill this building, authenticity to fill this building. Lord, I, I bind up even rebellion in the hearts of people. Say, no, I'm happy where I'm at. I'm good where I'm at. I don't think I need to really serve. I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm okay. You're okay attitude. Father, I bind up that and I just lose your plan and purpose to come upon these people today to bring hope and peace and welfare in Jesus' name. Step out and come. Step out and come. Step out and come. Lastly, I want to ask you this. If you've been retired, you've kind of hung up your Bible, so to speak. You say, well, I've, I've served my time. I've done my time. And God says, mm-mm, you still breathing? You still breathing? Come on. I've got more for you to do. I've got a place to send you. You don't even know where I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you. Just like Abraham. He went not knowing where he was going like Peter. Come out of the boat. Well, I don't know about that water. Come on out of the boat. Some of you are staying in the boat this morning. God's telling you to step out of the boat. He's got a ministry for you. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Would you step out and come this morning? Father, right now, in Jesus' name, since there's such a resistance for people to submit to you, I ask, Father, that you would melt their heart today. Bring them to a place of repentance. Receiving everything that you have for them those that earlier this, this, this morning raised their hand and said, in my life's at conflict. There's trouble in my life. I'm not living in peace. But those people, Father, right now would say, I want the peace that passes understanding. And they would step out and come this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. dangerous 
know what to tell you. This is dangerous. It's like there's this spirit of uh, rebellion rising up in here. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do what I want to do. I just sense that in my heart. Does anybody else sense that? There's just a... It's like people, I don't care what you say. I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to, leave, I'm going to live in my own turmoil. And I'm going to, be, I'm going to get through this in, on my own. I'm telling you, this is a dangerous church. If we're going to be the church that God's called us to be and live, and live in the light and, and be a lamp in, into the light of this community, we've got to come to the place of, I really want everything God has for me. And if you resist what God has for you guys, you're going to walk out of this place hardened. Your heart's going to build up another callus on it to the truths of God. My uncle, was a, he's a pastor. He's, 80, he's 82 and he's still preaching the Word of God. And he said something important to me one time when I was a young man. He said, it's dangerous for you to reject the invitation over and over and over again. It's dangerous to say no when God says yes, when God calls you to do something and you say, no, I'll wait. I've got more time. It's really a dangerous place to be. He said, matter of fact, I just tell him to quit coming to church. I said, what? A pastor telling people to quit coming to church? He said, yeah, because their heart keeps getting harder and it gets easier and easier for them to say no to Holy Spirit. So I believe that this morning there's a breakthrough waiting to happen. But God's waiting for your heart to change. He's waiting for your heart to change. I'm feeling the same thing that pastor's feeling, guys. I've, I've been in the audience and I've had times when I didn't come up. And what, what do you have to lose to come up here for real? I've, I've experienced this peace and it's amazing that I never, ever thought that I would ever get, you know. And I just, I just want to encourage you guys to just step up. I mean, there's nothing that you have to lose. You came here. Why, why leave the same? Thank you, Stephanie. Let's sing you gave your life away. Can we do that? Because this, he wants you to remember what he's done for you. It's important, guys, the remembering process before the repentance and then beginning to go back to where you came from and experiencing that fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life. I think one of the things that uh, we fear is fear. I remember when God called me to go forward to go into ministry. And my words to God was, I can't. You've been there. I can't. But if you want it to take place, you make it happen. And when I said that, a couple of minutes later, I was walking up front. You see, if we look at ourselves and, and look at our, what we can do or what we can't do, then we'll say, well, I can't. That's okay. If you go the next step. If you want it to happen, God, you make it happen. And he will make it happen. Amen. Just bow your heads one more time. I'm not going to keep any longer than couple more hours I really truly believe that I, you probably never heard me even give an invitation like this before or I said I'm not letting you leave As a matter of fact shut the doors back over there because these decisions that we make guys on a Sunday morning they're not they can be flippant but they shouldn't be these are life and death decisions these are the, your, your future this is really literally talking about your future I know the plans that I have for you. Hopes, you know, the plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. He knows that. So some of you are struggling with that right now. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? I don't know if I can do this. And just like Basil said, you can't, but he can. He's, he gives you the divine power to do that. So Father, in Jesus' name, just I just lose your freedom in this place for people to make decisions based upon who you are, not who they aren't. Listen, you guys, he's not going to take anything from you that you don't need. That you don't need. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? He's going to take a way to help you get better. We're sick without him. 
We need his healing. We need his presence. We can't do this without him. Listen to my heart, saints. We cannot do this without him. Nine years of addiction and never knowing his love. I went out to gangs and to men for love. And when I met him, he showed me love. And I thought I knew love, and I didn't know love before I knew Christ. And I'm grateful for him. I thank him because he's beautiful. He's my daddy. He's my love. He's my first love. He's my true love. And if you're missing that, then you're missing all of it. Because because he wants you. He wants you to see who you are in him. He wants to see, he wants you to see your worth. Your worth. What was the point for him to die on the cross? If we're not free, we need to be free. Pastor was preaching seven and a half years ago. I knew nothing of what he was preaching. I didn't even know what he was saying. All I knew was that I needed to go to the front. I needed to get what he had. Because what he had, I didn't have and I wanted. It's not easy. He's going to ask for you to get rid of stuff that you don't need. And as I trusted him and as I pursued in the Lord... I learned that the stuff that he wanted me to get rid of was only to make me better. If you don't have that peace, then you're missing it. But you can get it. He's right here waiting for you. Everybody's been through something. There's nothing to be afraid of. Amen? So please... Don't stay in that spot. I, I'm, I, <laughs> I ask you from a heart as a sister, as a sister in Christ, just because I know I don't have it all together. I never will. Thank you, Jesus, because I need him to make me better every day. Okay. Who wants peace this morning? We just ask you to step out and come. Come stand in the front. God has it. Well, Donald, what do you have for us? You know, as Pastor was talking earlier about faith, having faith. When I went to the doctor, I had two beautiful people praying for me. And I know John and Linda were praying for me. The doctor was talking to me about hereditary. As your mom had a heart attack, I said, I don't, I don't prove to me where the Bible talks about hereditary. Show me proof that the Bible says that there is hereditary. No, there isn't hereditary. It is your belief in your heart, what you believe, what God can do for you. My two scriptures that I stand very strong on in healing is Isaiah 53 5 and 1 Peter 2 24 that says that by his stripes we are healed, like this gentleman said earlier. And I was holding back on coming up here in front, but I felt the Holy Spirit in me that I needed to come here in front and speak. Because God gave me also for the young lady that's sitting up there by me to pray for her before she leaves. That's why I was holding back up coming up here in front. Because I know God has a calling for me. I know he does. And I love this church that I've been coming to. This man can preach. If you don't listen to his word, it's your fault. Because God blesses his voice. That's one thing that God wakes me up sometimes at three and four to pray over the pastors, the priests, the ministers, the deacons, all the men and women that work for God. And one thing that I always pray is for God to bless his voice. I still remember that vision that God gave me about him with the arrow. The arrow was to shoot at, at people's heart to receive Christ in your lives. He's here to, to do God's work. But it's up to you to make that decision and say, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Because people, look what's going on around the world. In the book of Jesus it says if you're a friend of God, if you're a friend of the uh, uh, you're a friend of 
if you're of the world, you're an enemy of God. The book of James is one of my favorite. It says, if you go through trials and tribulations, I'm going through trials and tribulations. I had an angiogram on Thursday. And as I was going in on the bed, I quoted Psalms 23. I had my eyes shut. When I opened my eyes, I saw my daddy. My daddy was given, was told that he would die in six weeks. My dad lived 13 years. There's where I get that strength that a doctor can tell me this and that, this and that. They said I had 50% crockage. With prayers from y'all, I had 30% crockage. But, but today I believe that I was cleared. He did it for me once. I had three major clogged arteries when I lived in Austin. That Wednesday they prayed for me. That Thursday they didn't find none. None. So God can do the miracles. He is the, the, the miracle worker. Give your heart to Christ. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Give him all you got. Because he's given all he has. He gave his life on the cross for you. Amen. Thank you, Donald.